welcome to Point of Origin, episode 63, the podcast where July has been extremely unkind to me, and that is translated into us missing for three weeks, and I apologize. <laughs> it was like one thing after another, although when I say one thing after another, two weeks were one problem. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. We are, I, I'm at the, I mean, July's almost over. I'm, I've almost left this cursed month behind. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't that cursed for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know what? We're the same person. So, you know, for you to have the good end, I had to have the bad end. It was a balance thing. <laughs> oh, there we thing. go. There we go. Yeah. No, I Janice coined the fuck out of you. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh. <laughs> I'm Mel, and I'm the reason, my health is the reason that we've been gone for three weeks. It's been a rough month. And I'm Liss, and I'm I'm innocent in all of this. <laughs> I'm just an innocent wee babe. I've done nothing wrong in my whole life, and I will continue that trend until I die. <laughs> Behold, Mel, you have met the perfect being. <laughs> now that we are done with the horseshit premise yeah. portion of the uh, episode... So, uh, today, after a long-awaited three weeks, <laughs> we are covering Season 3, Episode 19, New Ground, which was written by my girl Heather Ash. <laughs> I'm already very defensive of her. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm keeping everything inside because no, I have such here's complicated the feelings about this the, episode. The, the complicated feelings you have for this episode, I'm probably not going to argue with you on. Like, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to have an issue with any of your issues yeah. with this episode. I still think it felt like a Heather Ash episode, just probably oh, her weakest so bit. far. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for you to mention this director because I, yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, that's the nice thing I'm going to do. Uh, it was directed by Chris McMullen. And it's his only episode thank fucking christ i i have issues with how this guy directed this episode i had issues with the way most of the side actors walked on the uneven ground <laughs> it's like so i here's understand it's a query and it's probably hard for you to walk on yeah but like everybody looks like they're drunk walking yeah. around this campsite okay. i'm glad you're mentioning that too because that's like that's gonna be like one of my major things about this guy is i swear to god if this guy had one theme in mind for his directing style you know like michael bay has his explosions jj abrams has his shit writing i, I mean i mean lens flares um, yeah lens flares <laughs> lens flares <laughs> This guy, if you, if you told me that his his tagline was going to be drama, I would have believed you. Yeah, Because it's like he told everybody to just overemphasize everything for no goddamn reason. So, like, Limpy McLimperson is oh. like, oh, he's, like, he's walking like a fucking robot that's, like, discovering he walks like what walking is. like a doll who has no yeah, joints. exactly, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's up, out, extend, swivel up and over because you have a hip limp apparently now also, descend I... slap that gravel bitch and walk now repeat seven times because apparently we have time for this see here's the thing like i thought he had a limp too but then i saw the female officer walking at one point and i was like oh no they just can't walk on this ground 
I swear to God, he's supposed to have a limp. It's just impossible to tell because half nobody the time can walk because straight. of the other shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's supposed to have like a war wound. I think he's supposed to be like the war torn general. Kind I can of shit. get that. Like I especially said, because no, I have issues like, with the directing in this episode. Especially because it feels because like it Chris failed. McMillan told this man. Watch the Stargate movie and act like Kurt Russell. <laughs> Dear God, even Kurt Russell's block of wood is better than this it's shit. It's a pale attempt <sighs> at the Kurt Russell, Jack O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, no, this episode... I feel a- like a lot of the weaknesses of this episode probably come down to the director. <laughs> no, mo- most of it's the overacting, and because it's from people I know to be good actors, I'm like, okay, this has to be a directing decision, yeah. right? Or it's a directing error, because let's say everybody was feeling extra that day, Part of directing, I would think, is reining that shit yeah. in. Exactly. Um, the, I have to say, though, maybe... <laughs> here's a thought, though. Just, just This actually yeah. just popped into my, my, my mind. So I really hated myself, uh, I guess, technically, because I had to watch this episode three times because I kept I thinking know, I was that's rewatching on me. it. That's on you're me. Good. You're good. But here's the thing. I hate myself. So rather than just like making sure I had the original note source up when I was re-watching it the last two times, I now have three different note <laughs> sections I get to look through because I fucking hate myself. Anyway, but one... One of them somewhere here is uh, that Christopher Judge, of, of course, as we already know, is a fucking fantastic actor. Yes, he is. And there's a couple of scenes where I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man, you are my God. And not just because you were in God of War. Ha. <laughs> but maybe everybody was acting really badly because they wanted to just like, you know, stand back and, and all. And let him, <laughs> let him shine. I don't know if that sounds patronizing. I didn't mean it the shitty way. I meant it in like the, well, we might as well not bother today because Chris has got this shit in the bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to say, writing wise, uh, yeah, I feel like it's more of a directing issue because writing wise, I was echoing the fact that as we had mentioned before, as the show goes on, they do start to use Teal'c a little bit better. <laughs> And yeah, I think and, this episode um, kind of Heather Ash that. tends to use him pretty well. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. Like you're getting better writers in who know how to actually utilize all the characters in an episode. And if you want to do the whole thing you always do, which is you got your three guys in the corner here with fucking Teal'c running back up. It's always Teal'c. Yeah, Teal'c it's always, always that the is, guy. I think oh I actually wrote God. that in my notes. It's like, yeah, of course, Teal'c's the one who didn't get caught again. <laughs> which, to be fair, if you're going to have anyone play Commando Rescue, it should be teal i know but eventually can that you imagine if the, old. can you imagine how this episode would have gone if daniel was the one who didn't get caught there is a stargate atlantis episode you are going to love and it's ronin and teal run the show for the whole episode oh hell yeah hell yeah it's, it's because you know they're both the muscle of their respective shows yeah, of course. so yeah, it was yeah, meant yeah. to be like a ha 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 and naturally they hate each other so it's great oh my god no it's fucking fantastic it's i love it i, I hopefully there aren't people out there who are like well, actually guys by the way this episode fucking sucks and you're an idiot i remember <laughs> it fondly but the whole point i'm going for here is uh it just goes to show that the muscle guys are always the ones who get separated yeah and yeah, have yeah, to yeah. save the day it's like yeah we get it it's a trope but you don't have to use it in every single fucking story guys. no you know so the good news is we're only at season three right three. now mm-hmm. so in official terms it's not tired it's yet not because none yet. of the other shit has <laughs> happened yet so yeah, i can't actually I, unfairly judge it for that i in this think show, officially yes. the rest yes. of the team getting captured and teal not getting captured has now happened three times Three or four. I, I, that's the thing, Mel, is even if it's slightly more fresh in my memory, our our run through currently, it's yeah. not like I haven't seen these episodes of uh, yeah, six, yeah. it all blends million together times. after a while. I, I have no concept of time normally, not to mention on this show. It's just, it's bad. It's bad. But yeah, so I think we can blame a lot of the rough points of this episode on Chris McMullen. <laughs> 
Give Heather yeah. Ash good directors. You give Robert C. Cooper good directors. Give Heather Ash good directors. Although I don't know about Peter Wost next month. I guess not next month, next week. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I hope it's not next month, and I hope we're not taking another unintended hiatus. Oh, I mean, actually, it will be next month. Oh, shit, you're right, because of how time works. <laughs> Oops. Next month and next week. <laughs> Anywho. All right, I have all three of my notes pages up because yeah, so I do want to say from the top before we actually start talking about this episode, I would say we've never strayed away from being political when we talk about things. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going to be our most political talk just because of the representation of one side feels very, very similar to something we're dealing with currently in our society and it just hit real hard and there's no way i'm not gonna just say it out loud so uh <laughs> if you've ever minded when we veer into politics randomly this is not gonna be the episode for you <laughs> to be fair i tend to carve most of that shit out because i don't like to get needlessly antagonistic the problem is this whole episode is this concept really yeah, so, so this is gonna be the episode if you don't like politics in your podcast Maybe skip this one. Yeah, no, that that is a good that is a good uh, thing to actually disclaim because there's no way I'm gonna be able to salvage this. This is just gonna have to be left in. So yeah, this is the episode where we're gonna get offensive to somebody. Yeah, in fact, I'll give a little preview to what the politics of this is. This is basically, hey, you know how Republican Christians don't like facts. There we go. If you don't like that that fact I just stated, yeah. Maybe not what listen hey, to this episode. Hey, if you have a problem with how Texas is doing shit right now, <laughs> this isn't the this is the episode. For this you is if the you episode. Have a <laughs> if you find the term Cancun cruise offensive, then this is your <laughs> one warning. Okay, so yeah, with that warning uh, caveat about how we're gonna about what topics are gonna come up in this episode, uh, let's actually talk about it. This episode opens up. With the shiniest goddamn chisel, 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 the shiniest goddamn chisel that I have ever seen to theoretically be responsible for unearthing a Stargate from rock. Yeah. That chisel has never been used. <laughs> no, that was never used. No, that, that has not seen. I was going to say light of day, but I'm not sure if that equates with being driven into rock. <laughs> for a brief second i thought it was a dagger it was so shiny and then i was like no that's a chisel that's supposed to be a chisel i stab at the <laughs> but yeah, yeah so, so shiny chisel happens and they unearth the stargate from the side of a uh, rock face it's like literally like built into the side of the the cliff face wasn't that lucky yeah i mean theoretically it got i mean they, they basically say that it basically got buried under a whole bunch of like earthquakes and shit so i'm assuming like, a lot of erosion and, like, chiseling has, you know, over time made it to where yeah. it looks like that. But, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, my God, this man got the sideburns. <laughs> right? No, I I was starting to notice that, I think, last episode is this is around, yeah, 2000. Ugh. So, that's right. The sideburns, man. The sideburns were getting real. This is Because this is when Shank starts Daniel. getting them, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just my starts going, My like, worst really haircut for him. I hate it. Remember that haircut phase that was so bad that even Harry Potter started doing it yeah. for a movie? That long hair, Justin Bieber style hair. That's that's something I also like to forget existed. So it's it's this shit with the nearly mutton chop revival <laughs> sideburn and uh, yeah, shit like that. 
But yeah, no, it's peak time. We better get used to it. Daniel's a uh, gorgeous, cute, shaggy hair disappears, and in, in its place, yeah, all the hair migrates have... into a sideburn. Daniel's not gonna have good hair again until he dies and comes back to life. <laughs> Isn't that a sentence? Because he's got good hair when he's ascended. Yeah. But yeah, so um, it's uh, Nyan and Marin, I believe. Malin, I think it was Malin. Malin, Malin. okay, yeah. You yeah, know, like right. malcontent? You know, it's uh, not, not at all. Mal, uh, just Mal. That was probably on purpose. Heather exactly, probably did it yeah. entirely on probably, purpose. Hey, it's a lot more clever than the usual name style. Usually they go straight in, like Gareth, which is like, like I think it's like literally like the Latin name for like guard or something. Yeah. Um, and then you have shit like this where like they will take the name and kind of do something with it. Where you'll see like the root in there, but it still looks like an actual cultural name that has yeah. diverged in a way, which is good. So yeah, Heather Ash. Good job on that detail. Yeah. And also, this was before Nyan Cat was a thing, so... <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this is this is not your fault episode that this doesn't no, end well. No, it's not. Um, and I bet that's, like, supposed to be, like, a play on, like, naive or something. Not, like, in probably. a bad way. But, like, the innocence and openness that naivety yeah. and naivete gives you. I, I would believe that. But, yeah, so while they're looking at this unearthed gate, um, it starts to light up. Like, the symbols start to light up. <sighs> Is this the convenience timing thing? Fuck this episode's timing. And then after that, granted, it's a, it is a, a fandom site, so this could also just be wrong, but but this seems to agree with something I've said before, which is, I don't give a, okay, so I know I have said something also kind of contrary, which is, we usually will say, okay, well, if the show tells us something, then that means it's true. This is just a fuck up, I think. I, uh -huh. I think we've talked about it in the past, but it doesn't make sense for what we saw on screen based on previous conversations and shit. I'm not going to go with what I'm seeing on screen because this is a fuck up. Because it makes no sense that a... Let's say we go back to the original analogy of this being like a phone call. Yeah. When we dial a phone, the call doesn't go through until we've finished dialing. So yeah. the concept of this thing dialing in real time in synchronicity with on Earth is just oh, wrong. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> There's no way that gate knows it's being dialed until the dialed address is complete. No, yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, I, we've honestly had this discussion before where we've said that. Yeah, exactly. This is not yeah, a exactly. new thing for us to say, no, that's that's definitely just not right. We've And we've literally had the analogy of that's not how phones work exactly. before. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because I don't care if this is reinforcing a mistake. It's still reinforcing yeah. a mistake. Because I, I know that they need it to do it this way because of story purposes. But that other episode, at least that made more sense, I think, story-wise, in terms of like the, the drama purposes. Here, I think it could just been optional. I think they could have just opened with SG-1 dialing or opened with your archaeologist, done a quick cut to SG-1. I know I would have probably complained about that too, but still. Yeah, well, I will <laughs> Do say... Do and then show the dialing process. That the way the they did things here, I think, while the understanding of how phones work might not... Uh, They've only had a century to figure it out at this point, but whatever. Yeah, I think a, the reason a lot of the way that the, this opening bit was ordered is to do away with your issue of the convenience of timing because of the fact, yes, it, yes it's still convenient timing the, the moment they unearth, like, the last chevron or whatever. Like, but, what the but they explicitly cut to SGC where Sam says that she's been having the computer just run through yep. these dialing things. So the moment it is unearthed, she would know about it. 
see the problem is okay fine you want to do away with convenience you know what fine I will, I will be I will be a good wife here and I will meet you halfway I will do away with convenience but I'm replacing it with fucking lampshading yeah because that's exactly what this bullshit intro is is because this is her explaining away the convenience of it because yeah a computer would totally go through all this math way faster than like a person hand dialing or yeah. some shit so I could totally see a program you know working away in the background totally scurrying through you know dialing bam 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 yeah. bam 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 I can see that. This is after the episode two now with the uh, macro, which of course, for some fucking reason, they've never gone back to it. Something I will never stop complaining about yeah. is the fact that they will never upgrade their dialing service. I just, I think it's because of nostalgia or something. They're like, no, we can't leave the movie behind this much. And I'm like, traditions need to die sometimes, okay? <laughs> like, God damn it, act like the colonies that we are. Let's be independent, people. Maybe unspoken is the macro actually burns a lot more power and it's just not... Um, fiscally responsible to do it that way. I will challenge anyone on that one. I want the writer to tell me that and then explain to me exactly how that works. Once you present me with proof, I will probably shut up, but probably. But listen, listen, <laughs> my job here is to offer thin explanations thin, that could work. Thin explanations. Gossamer thin sometimes. Because yeah, I don't understand the science either. It's fine. It's kind of like I don't quite get how you'd be just cold dialing without actually dialing through, but like I don't understand the technology of the gates anyway, so. See, here's the thing. I can see that more than anything i would see it like more like let's pretend that somehow they're capable of doing this i don't know i this is this is not beyond my scope so much as just beyond no it's beyond my scope let's just go back <laughs> to that this is beyond yeah. my scope that's right i don't know coding to begin with that well <laughs> i've taken like three classes and they were years ago <laughs> other than that this is also back you know 20 years ago so i just don't know what the tech level was or what these supercomputers that would have maybe have been available to norad level <laughs> black mm -hmm. sites like this who the fuck knows what the capabilities would have been of their supercomputer yeah. let's say it's capable i could I, th I think it's capable i'm trying not to be that person who like these days i notice a lot that i tend to think of anything that's more than a year ago as like the ancient times and i'm like wait yeah. they had electricity then <laughs> like shit <laughs> like that you know it's like wait yeah. oh that's right it wasn't actually that long ago you bozo that kind of crap dumbass um, right so I'm, I'm trying not to do that here like i think this is on i think this is reasonable for their supercomputer i would assume they'd be able to bypass their so-called dhd-ness and just send out the signal that would have been sent out had they completed a dialing so i, I could totally see the computer just doing that portion of dialing kind of like being like we totally did the dialing and go yeah that's the thing i do actually believe that like it just feels like it would be like a ping kind of thing like, just yeah. to see if you're getting a response. You're not actually... Dear God. Cause like I a... struggled through, like, three minutes of explanation there, and you went, yeah, like a ping. Fuck you. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant. Yes, that. In your defense, I've taken programming classes more recently than you have. Yeah, there you go. A ping. Perfect. That. That. That <laughs> shit. It's... I'm sure it's something like that. The only issue is that, like, they never really, like, just sit the audience down and explain how Stargates work. Probably because they want to always be able to come out with oh we can ping it you know like i i get from a, a show standpoint especially way back then when you didn't come into writing a show going okay it's five seasons long this is the arc of the story we know exactly what we're going to be covering you know you're going in going yeah let's just tell a story so you can't nail down all the science of the gate because you might need it to do something later like i get it so like i i'm willing to buy yeah, that yeah, we, we've some acknowledged sort of that yeah yeah no that 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 i'm down with I, I have that that's not my problem my problem here is gonna be an either or it's either convenience yeah. or it's lampshading yeah yeah no no you're not wrong so yeah there there's always some sort of trade-off you gotta have there uh 
the the clunkiest part I felt about this was how Jack had to ask the stupidest question known to man to prompt Sam to explain what she was doing. I can't even remember the exact wording of what he said asked her, but it was like, Jack, I know you don't know think that was a real question. Oh. Oh no. No. Do not disconnect. I don't want to deal with this. Oh shit. Fuck do you mean you lost power? You're kidding me. How the fuck? What? Uh, hey, welcome back to Point of Origin. <laughs> um, the July curse is real. Yeah, right? God, seriously. I first thought yesterday after all the laughing was just, wow, holy shit, this episode does not want to get made. No! And and July is genuinely just cursed for me specifically. Yes, yeah, specifically you. To you on this. Yeah, end. nothing Only happened. Me. Yeah. So, do you want to fill us in on what happened to you yesterday while we were attempting to record? Finally. So, in the middle of um talking about the episode, and granted, we only got about three minutes into talking about yeah, the episode. Yeah, but that's just us on a, on a day that ends in Y. What do you want? Yeah, we were fifty minutes into recording, only three minutes into the episode. That's about right. So. Just, uh, I was in the middle of saying something to you, and then suddenly, the screen went black, and I was like, what? And then I realized my lamp was off, too, and I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, at first you just think, oh shit, my computer went down, but nope. Yeah, I was wondering if, like, I was like, I would hope not, because this is a brand new, really well put together PC, but I was like, did it, like, overheat and, like, do, like, the shut off, turn itself back on thing that computers will sometimes do to protect themselves? Nah, I just lost power, because July is cursed for me. But the good news is, it's two days away from being over. So there's only so much more the curse can do to me. I mean, I really feel like you should knock on wood right now, Mel. <laughs> Otherwise, we're never gonna get this episode made. <laughs> the fact that your video keeps skipping out on me just tells me that this is gonna be a fraught episode. <laughs> yeah, your your video's doing the same, so one of our internets is not happy. <laughs> anyway, so... But yeah. So, uh, thankfully I remember where we were. I was saying that Jack is not that stupid. And I can't even remember what the question was exactly, but it was just, like, so inanely worded that I'm like, no one with a brain asks that, Jack. But it was literally just set up so that Sam could explain to the audience how they knew a gate that had previously been buried was no longer buried. Magic math is my answer. But... Yeah, so she explains that, like, she has, like, a cold dialing system set up that doesn't actually dial through. It just lets her know if a gate has suddenly become not dead anymore. And this one has become not dead anymore. So here's the thing. Uh, I gotta say, all my complaints about the system's questionability aside, and uh, I, do, I do remember, you know, laughing at the goof of it showing it on also on the planet happening in real time. Yeah. I will give the show credit for this, and I will give Heather Ash credit for this. Something I had, you know, m mentioned before, some point, years in the making, <laughs> I've definitely mentioned how I knew at one point that they had to abandon, not abandon, but they had to um, move beyond the Abydos cartouche at some point. Mm -hmm. And I really like how they did this, because it makes sense on a pure face value <laughs> yeah, frame of mind. Absolutely. Yeah, especially considering, like, when Sam was first doing random dialing, they didn't really know what they were dialing to or how it worked. They were just putting in in codes. But by this point, Sam is aware that gates can get buried 
and unburied. Yep. Things can happen to make a gate open again. So she, as soon as the first instance of seeing that happen, happened, she probably went, I gotta start cold, cold dialing those old those old gates. Um, so as soon as they realized it actually dialed through, they're like, okay, let's send them out through, see what's up, see what's going on. And they send them out through, and Nyan and Malin are like, what the fuck? But they, they both are very visibly having, like, slightly different angles of how they're coming at their what the fuck. Oh, yeah, no, I gotta say, kudos to the actors here. Yeah. Main Main dude, Nyan, does the bestest job, which is obviously, I would hope so, fair. considering how he has Malin more screen time. Malin is on screen for five yeah. minutes. Uh, Malin, this is nothing, this is nothing against her. It's, it's my, uh, it's my issue, but she could have done a good job or a bad job with her facial acting. I wouldn't have noticed. That chick had a dimple that went on for miles. <laughs> Yes, she did. And I couldn't look away from it. It's not like it was a bad thing. It was quite adorable, actually. Yeah. A little sexy, even. But I wasn't huh. looking at her face so much as one part of her face. But you can see, like, between the two of them that Nyan's got a lot more of, like, a scientist discovering yeah. uh, a distant corner of space or yeah. a, a distant deep part of the ocean, whereas Malin seems, like, fearful. Yeah, what I like is they also kind of represent pretty clearly on um, the different the difference between like so he would they were both digging with the expectation of something specific and then upon seeing something that doesn't fit the narrative he starts going wait what the fuck and she starts going oh shit <laughs> yeah and those she, are two very different responses she's actually a great representation of the existence of um I can't believe I can't remember the actual the official term for it now but where you go into researching a subject. Oh, only bias. looking for things. Yeah, there we go. Where you go in research, researching a subject, looking only for things. Yeah, confirmation support. bias. Confirmation bias. Thank you. That's the exact word I wanted. She she was obviously a scientist going in with confirmation bias. She was unearthing this with an idea about what it would tell her, and the moment she's confronted with something that suggests no, she runs to the authorities because she's afraid. I will give the episode a lot of crap for things that will come up, but it does a good job from the writing perspective, definitely with like nuance a little bit in the sense of yeah. nothing's actually like overtly explained here, but it's um, the way the guy says it, Malin, get back here. You know that they'll kill whoever comes through. It's mm. pretty obvious what her deal is, you know, immediately where she's going. And you know that yep. he, they both knew what this meant and he knows exactly what she's doing because they're both educated people who just had two vastly different reactions here. The main thrust of this episode is the fact that it's just newly discovered fact confronting doctrine beliefs uh yeah doctrine thank you i was like what, what, are, what doctrine it's not theories because in the science field we know like that's why it's called a theory, a theory that's yeah like gravity is it's called technically a theory, a theory we see yeah. gravity every day but we're like look look we don't have certifiable proof of it so it's still a theory yeah. you know like so in that case that's a different thing whereas doctrine this is about facts versus doctrines and doctrines depend on you not, not asking too questions heavily into yeah not asking questions Oh yeah, and no. Every kid ever comes in with an experience like mine, uh, trying to talk to adults with questions is just <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah, basically. Wait, yeah. but but then who the wait? Who's where were the women? He only had his sister around. <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. You get a lot of shut up from adults, so it's a yep, lot of that yep, with yep. doctrine. So, but that actually, we're jumping ahead a tiny bit. So they send them out through. Malin and Nyan are both like. 
looking at the map like what's going on and Daniel when he notices there's people there immediately grabs a headset and starts talking to them because that's his job he's their diplomat for SG-1 sorry I, I'm all I can remember right now is the uh, Loki episode um talkie 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 well it was in the trailer too where Owen Wilson just goes you love to talk talkie 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 <laughs> that's fair that is Daniel but yeah so he grabs a headset and starts trying to talk to them like we said, Malin's fearful and, like, reluctant to engage. Nyan is fascinated and wants to engage. And there's, uh... Uh, but yeah, so Daniel basically kind of identifies that, oh, these guys are, like, relatively close to our own technology evolution. They are, you know, they're sapient, sentient. Obviously, like, we should go talk to them. This is a perfect opportunity to go talk to these people. And he kind of, like, warns them, like, hey, we're going to come through in a bit. Um, When the gate dials through... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Wait. Because <laughs> he does warn them about the splash. The splash, the yeah, splash he talks to Nyan. happened once. Yeah, yeah, he tells yeah. them that when they come back, it's going to do that again and to maybe step back. Yeah, because we did see when it first opened, they both dove out of the way. Because I was like, oh god, imagine if the gate opened. And Man, I wonder died. how many inquisitive humans over the years have paid this price. Yeah, like, I've Okay, this is, this is much more of a thing in um, Atlantis, you'll notice, is that in the Pegasus galaxy, the humans and all the planets actually use the gates a lot more actively. Like, they uh-huh. actually use it for trade and con- you know communication and stuff. They're much more networked. I think it was a good choice writing-wise on that perspective. It makes sense. But yeah, yeah, it does make sense. I love it. Like I said, it, it just makes sense as a concept. Yeah. But what kills me is putting it in perspective of that galaxy's activity more than our own so far from what we've seen. I can't help but wonder how many dumbasses over the years have gotten themselves splashed out of existence. Yeah, I mean, we saw it actually happen in prisoners, but that right? was like on purpose. They yeah. knew it would kill them. Well, they knew it was an escape. They just didn't know what kind. Remember, a bunch of them well, thought it was a way out. To vaporize feet. Well, behind, yeah, I we were. We, we, we did, I, I believe we discussed what you know grandiose delusion was there too. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, so he kind of warns them, "Hey, we're gonna dial that through. Some of us are gonna come through in person uh, when it." flares open be careful not to be caught in it because it's you know he just i I appreciated that he warned them you know i liked that i was like look at that because especially because of the fact that when it was first dialing through i was like you guys are too close to the gate come on back up (laughs) but yeah and i also another thing i appreciate about like forethought in this episode is that as soon as they send them out through they make a point of hey look to see if there's a dhd and they look and there's no dhd that was one of my notes on my three sources was uh, Daniel was full on once again ready to just go yeah. through. And it was everybody else sense. who once again had to remind him, bitch, we want Look to come DHD. home too. <laughs> this guy's always jump first, find the DHD second. And everyone else Listen, is like, do I'm you not remember little... what started this whole thing, motherfucker? Listen, I'm going to be a little dark here for a second. His wife died. Does he really care? But I actually just really appreciate the show taking the time to out loud address, hey, is there a DHD? No? And then Hammond's like, it does look promising. Because like like Daniel points out, they look like they have technology similar to our own. So Hammond's like, this does seem promising. Make sure to take through a generator so that you can manually dial. Because by now, they know how to manually dial from emergency situations. 
but this way they're going through with a power source. I like that. Oh, I love it. I, as the notes point out, it's the first time that the show does it as an yeah, off-screen thing, so which is a cool. It's, yeah, no, it's a great introduction for the concept. What kills me is they also like this is a spoiler alert here for anybody who hasn't somehow already seen it. Um, I, I, I like this concept I have in my head somehow of this like one person who's listening to our show and like watching the episode in real time, and every time we spoil <laughs> the ending, they're like, "No, you fucker! I was working so hard." Anyway. <laughs> The only way, I will say, the only way to really, in my mind, um, listen to recap podcasts is either watch the episode before you listen to the recap, or not watch the episode at all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, so um, so with that in mind, um, I like how this is the first time they use that generator, and then they promptly lose it and leave it behind. <laughs> That's true! The notes point out I mean, they had to abandon a up. considerable amount of hardware, yeah, <laughs> including that generator. I just find it really funny that first try also happens to be only, tr- well, last try for that particular generator anyway. That what a test. Generator. What a field test. I was ready for, I was honestly waiting for when those ships came for it to get blown up. Like, well, that would have probably killed everybody because those things were like nukes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not going to power it. I didn't. <laughs> I don't oh, know if that thing is too pleasant to shoot it. Oh, you know what? You know what? That community um, of Republican Christians isn't going to be a problem for much longer. They're going to blow themselves up with that Nakwita generator. <laughs> there we go. They don't know what that thing does. Hopefully they're smarter because they do look like they have tech more advanced than ours. So maybe they have scanners and aren't afraid to use them. Yeah, but they also believe that the gold is their god. So anything that seems to, like, fall into the same category... To be honest, like, their tech, their high tech, looked a lot like gold tech. So I'm wondering if, because they were so openly supportive of the gold that was in charge of their community... They got gifts. Yeah, so here's... Okay, so you know what? You said it. I might as well just say it now. I think the two continents were left over from when, obviously, this Nefertum guy was around. Oh, yeah. I think the, the Bedrosians were, like, the palace guards, basically. Like, the uh, the upper... It's like upper... Ancient Egypt was once classified into two sections, Upper Egypt and Lower Egypt. Yeah. Upper Egypt dealt with the upper part of the Nile, and the lower part was near the Delta. I think it was kind of yeah. like that, where you had, like, you know, your upper people, your upper echelon of people who were, like, close to... You know, the, the preferred people, who, for whatever reason, they were in favor. And then you yeah. had, like, your working class, and they were Honestly, on the other I continent. Honestly, I that entirely. Especially and no wonder they wouldn't want to give up the all the shit. Bedrosians were on the continent with the game. Exactly. That makes complete exactly. sense. Yeah, so I buy it entirely. My thought is that what, whatever prevailing incident led to, you know, Nefertum... Leaving. Skedaddling. I think he obviously left behind all of his shit. And the people who had been in power all this time were keen were like, to stay that way. God. Yeah, and they were like, you know what? Fuck all y'all in the other place. We got the gate. We got the most of this tech. We might as well just, you know, stay the way things are. Let's, let's just continue with this charade of the god being here. Because that way, we can stay in charge. But of course, the Optricans, probably that's why they're called the Optricans, is because they can see the truth. We're like... Yeah able to figure out pretty fucking quick when, you know, probably when the, you know, Jaffa disappeared and all the other shit disappeared, they probably went, hey, our god's gone, we'd like to check out that gate thing and maybe, you know, get the fuck out of here, or do other things and just not live this life anymore. To which the Bedrosians go, yeah, no, we wanted to keep this shit going. And so over time they made it so that this Nefertum doctrine was still doctrine so that they could maintain their status quo. I mostly agree with that, but I do have a suggestion for a slight alteration when it comes to the gate. I'm wondering if, because they talk about that the gate got buried because of like a whole bunch of cataclysms and like earthquake stuff. I don't remember the exact, it was a lot no, of No, that's right, like, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you're right. 
what if that wasn't natural and it was caused by the god leaving? Leaving by his skedaddling. He's like, hey, fuck yeah. you all at the same time kind of shit. Maybe. Hell, maybe they def- dethroned him kind of like in ancient Egypt. Maybe they uh, made him, you know, fuck off like they did with Ra and they buried the gate. Them- no, that's no, still natural no, disasters. They, they did say earthquake stuff. Yeah, no, you're good. I was thinking maybe if that had happened like around the same time, maybe they would have, like, that's why they were like, they kept the doctrines because they were so scared. Like maybe thinking... <laughs> But no, that doesn't work. I mean, no, it I like yours. No. that the Optrikans tried to rebel, yeah. and that's what led to There we go. Yeah. There we go. And then they're like, hey, let's go deal with that gate. It's why they knew about it. And the Pedrosian's like, what gate? I had that headcanon. I think it was more... I, I want to give myself credit for, like, you know, creating it. But at the same time, I really just think it's pretty heavily emphasized, or implied, I mean, by the name of the peoples. Um, not yeah. to mention Heather Ash is just generic... Not generic. Ha, general tone of writing. The shaping is yeah. really there. Uh, not generic, the opposite of generic. And I, I love it, because, like, you know, Optrikans obviously sounds like, you know, sight, seeing, I can see the truth. Yeah. And then you have Bedrosians, which sounds like bedrock, you know, solid, foundation, un- immovable, can't be changed yeah. in their opinion. I like that. Like I said, I have issues with this episode, but none of them are in the writing, as far as I can tell. Except yeah, for, like, yeah. the convenience shit. There's a lot of convenience shit, but that's just, yeah. I wonder, sometimes I just wonder if there's, like, a, a, a lesson in cinematography and writing school that's just labeled convenience bullshit 101 yeah and i think a lot of the premise of this show in general relies on some measure of convenience the stuff that always gets me isn't her fault it's the stuff that's in every single episode no matter how good it is so yeah yeah i was really i was really relieved to actually watch this because when you when i first mentioned this to you you're like oh i hate this episode i'm like but it's heather dude yeah i hated it as a kid and honestly i can't really remember why all that much i think it was mostly just because of all the overacted crap with the general i bet when i was a kid it just made me uncomfortable yeah i could i could buy that but yeah so they're about to come through but malin runs off before they can come through she's gonna go Uh, but before she runs off, like, her and Nyan are, like, having, like, hushed, angry conversations, and one of the things that gets hap- that happens is that in their discussion, they say the words, that would mean the Optricans were right, and we were wrong, and I love, it's such great, A, it's great writing, that sentence, and then B, great delivery, that that sentence alone was enough to be like, oh, this is gonna go poorly. <laughs> Like, you can already tell. I was already like, oh, cool, Crusades. Like, I already, you you knew exactly, like, what kind of story you're going into just with that sentence. Yep. It's so well-delivered and well-constructed. Yeah. Perfect. Uncomfortable as the episode is, I actually always commend uh, Star Trek Orville for this. <laughs> You'll never maintain to me that's not Star Trek. Anyway, uh, Star Trek. that episode, I think it's, it's, I can't remember which finale. I can't remember if it's a ser- series one or season two, um, but one of them is Mad Idolatry. It's the one where Kelly becomes a god on accident in their, in that planet's religion. Uh, I think it would have to be two, because I don't think I've yeah. seen that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, because it's uncomfortable getting turned into an irreligious figure, you know? Yeah. Plus, the way she does it is in the rampant uh, disregard of the Prime Directive, which never happens except when you need it to in these episodes. Anyway. Yeah, of course. She accidentally becomes a god to this, you know, these people, and basically starts their Christian church, because, like, of course, everything happens to pretty heavily mirror what we mm-hmm. know in terms of uh, regalia and shit. But it's really great because there's a scene where she tries to set the record straight. So she actually like, talks to like a priest, high up official in their church yeah. and goes, okay, so here's the truth. I'm not a god. I'm just a person. I fucked up. Ta-da. And the person goes, oh shit. Okay, cool. Thanks. And then he tries to tell his superiors about it. And his superiors are kind of like not here for it. 
Yeah. You know, they don't want to give up what they got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they yeah. pretend it's for the people, but in reality, it's for themselves. And they just, you know, quietly kill the guy who wants to tell the truth and then just maintain the charade. It's that kind of thing where intelligent people definitely know where the line is between, between truth and fiction mm-hmm. and then set for themselves and everybody else where the line appears yeah. to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I like how this episode is just another example of it being pretty <clears throat> to people that <laughs> this chick, for example, is pretty, e- it's pretty obvious to her what this means. And yet she's not going to, she's not going to see it for that. Even though she knows better, she's just going to pretend it's not that because it's easier. Yep. And so at like before SG-1 can come through, she decides to run off and go tell the officials of this continent and Nyan, you know, does the shouting after her, you know they'll kill them, blah, 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 this could start a war. All the, yeah, they, We already talked about yeah, this. Yeah, they'll kill it. everybody that comes through. Don't do it. Yeah. And he all, they also specifically say, um, like, this could start a war over the differing of opinions between these two continents. Yep. And the moment he said that, my next note was, why the fuck you gotta start a war over, over a differing of opinion on origins? This is some Republican bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I bring you back to the Crusades. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There have been so many wars fought over people going, but I think it's 11 days. No, 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 no. No, it was 12 days. Die! I know. It's like, or, or, here's a thought. Or, who the fuck cares? (laughs) Yeah, just, or, who the fuck gives a shit? You know, just like, not I. So... Uh, SG-1 comes through, and I fucking love that Nyan's just like, oh no, you, you're good, you're safe. Despite the fact that Valen ran off to tell on them. Yeah. I was like, dude, well, to be fair, think not? about, okay, well, think about it from his perspective. This is, I think, more of a, a he, character development thing. He wants thing. the discovery. Yeah, well, too. not just that, not just yeah. that, but it's like, you know, a moment of weakness. It's like, not just the discovery part, but like, let's say this is something that means a lot to you, and you don't want to scare it away. It's like when you see a cat, like, acting really cute, and you don't want to get too close. Yeah. Because they'll stop. It's kind of like that where I swear he probably just for a moment gave in to weakness because he's like, well, if I tell them that they're in danger, they'll just walk back through and then I'll never get to see him again. And I wanna. Yeah. No, I I definitely think that's why he did it. Because he's very, he he starts this very bright-eyed and, and naive. Bushy-tailed like, and dewy Yeah. Nyan cat. Yeah, Nyan cat. So, um, they pretty much almost instantly start getting swarmed. Yep. <laughs> like, they 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 uh, see some shuttles flying in towards them, and they're like, okay, we're leaving. <laughs> and they start to unpack the, the generator to dial back through, but immediately get, like, overtaken. Like, they don't have time to dial back through. I do the, like those uh, ships... cool quarantine field things, though. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, these ships shoot out these little uh, straight lines of basically a force field yeah that they, they each form individually things. too like yeah. they don't just shoot out a box they send yeah. out a line each Which time like sam tries to cool. run one way and the line forms in front of her and then jack tries to run another way and it forms in front of him and it basically it forms a box between all the humans because again once again for at least the second time i think third time so far in this show all the humans get captured but Teal'c doesn't <laughs> Yeah, I gotta say, I do love the close-up for once again pointing out just how beautiful his eyebrows are. But that's all it really does other than do the uh, tropey shit, which is, oh no, now Teal'c's on his own. Which I wonder I who will save them. we actually mentioned earlier, although I don't know if it stayed in. Um, if, if anyone's gonna run a solo rescue mission, oh, yeah. Teal'c's the dependable one to do it. Oh yeah, I'm not Because we saw I'm not Jack try and do a solo rescue mission. You heard me. 
Cree. So I think Teal'c's the reliable one, really. I mean, I'd, I'd buy it. He's not a reliable father, but he is a reliable guard. God, no. Don't trust him with kids, but... <laughs> not even his own. I mean, he did go on to play Kratos. So this is, this is why Kratos. he plays Kratos. Yeah, just yeah. a boy! <laughs> Boy. I was like, he's been he's been typecasted as a terrible father. <laughs> I like how that game is trying to is, is trying to paint him as a good father, and it's like, yeah, while progressively showing you how borderline abusive he is the entire mm-hmm. fucking time. It's cute and all that you want to reboot this guy into the non mass murdering Spartan, but I played the original <laughs> trilogy. The best thing about Kratos is that he's not a good guy. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, S1 gets captured. Tilk escapes to hide. And while he's hiding and watching Teen get, you know, rounded up, he gets attacked by a dude. And they do, like, a shoot at the same time. Like, he whips around and shoots the guy and kills him, but this guy's weird, probably gold gun winds up hitting Teal'c in the face. And we find out, like, briefly after, because it knocks him out for now. Yeah. Uh, We do find out in, like, ten minutes or so. It's temporarily blinded him. Yep. Which I actually buy. I think the um, the effects for this weapon were well manufactured. I would buy that it would blind someone. Especially because it was shot at his face. <laughs> so get used to the gun design. Semi get used to the effect. Just paint it blue and make it kind of a cross between this brownish water effect and the gate effect. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, do you remember that sound effect uh, from a few episodes ago of the um, Asgard weapon? The noise uh-huh and you got yourself a wraith stunner and you're gonna see it for five fucking years of worth of uh, <laughs> content because nice. they recycle the shit out of that gun not that i'm upset about it listen if it works hell yeah <laughs> so yeah the team gets captured um Tilk is temporarily blind no oh, wait no the sound effect is their uh is their darts not their guns but the other two stuff stands yeah yeah so nyan finds Tilk like knocked down on the ground but Tilk is not actually unconscious he Tries to grab Nyan because he thinks he's an enemy. Nyan's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm here to help. And then he figures out that Tilk is blind. And Tilk's not about to let that stop him. He's like, I'm going to still rescue my friends. And Nyan's like, you can't even aim your... Like, he couldn't even find his weapon on the ground. Dude, like, he, he found your throat when you were walking it. up to him, so... Well, I mean, he, you can hear someone breathing. You can't hear an inner you know, weapon on the ground. I don't ground. like anyone discounting my man, Tilk, sorry. <laughs> Listen, in hand-to-hand combat, those motherfuckers would have been wasted. There we go. That's what I need to hear. But yeah, so Nyan helps Teal kind of retreat to a little cave nearby, cavern kind of thing. Uh, this whole episode takes place in, like, a quarry. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some sort of small cavern nearby. And he kind of just drops him off there to go and get something to help him. And um, so he actually, before he leaves, he makes a point of, like, oh, you're injured, let me help. And Teal's like fuck off because it's near his um first of all he's mad that like nine did not warn them about this shit yeah right like um excuse me bitch and also it's near his pouch and he doesn't want nine especially because they just fucking got attacked through for walking through the gate he doesn't want nine to know he's not human right what you don't understand is i am part kangaroo they did make a pa- point of when they came through nine asked are you guys human and they're like yeah so it does not yep. want to refute that right now 
Nyan leaves to go try and get him some help, and meanwhile, the team have all been put in these little dog cages with electricity. Now, they do a great job of selling this uh, culture. As, as This is something I've pointed out a million times, and I will point it out once more. Every single time SGC ever, ever has a potential trade um, sighting of a people that have technology at our level or above, there's always an excuse for why we can never talk to them again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and access any of this shit. And this is because they put people in fucking cages. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Like we're at a kennel. Timing of this is really rough considering the ICE stuff going on. Yeah, this episode doesn't age well, but it's not the episode's no. fault. No, I mean, to be fair, they're not supposed to be good guys. And I don't remember if this happens... Because I do have a, a line from Teal'c, and I thought it happened after Nyan comes back and finds out that Teal'c was an alien, because it makes sense. Yeah. But I'm not sure. But it's where Teal'c, where Nyan's like, oh, you'd, you'd be proof. I, I, I guess he's just, maybe it wasn't about him being an alien. I know what you're talking about, because the scene where he goes, Teal'c, um, when I'm a scientist, when my discoveries are proven wrong, it's just as exciting as if they were proven right. <laughs> I, yeah, advancement I lo- of I any kind that is sentence. still scientific advancement. Yeah, that's not actually, that's later on. Oh, okay, um, my bad then. So I did not, in fact, know what you're talking about. But he says something about how Teal'c is, like, proof of something. And I feel like this is, my notes are very sparse here, um, but, like, I thought it was in response to after he found out Teal'c was an alien, but it happens really early in my notes, so I don't fucking know about that. But I liked Teal'c's response, which is, I will not be the proof. Yeah, I will not be I'm your like, proof. Good for you! Good for you, Teal'c! Oh, yeah. It's almost like he remembers what it feels like to have people put him in a fucking collar and then in a cage and treat him like he's oh, less than human. Oh, you know what? You know what it was? I know what it is now. Because this is when we find out Neferdum was the system lord here. Yeah. So, in the cavern before Nyan left to get Teal'c his healing stuff, he outlined the issue to Teal'c. He told oh, him, like, you know... He, he he lays down the basic premise, which we've already kind of talked about here. Yeah. We've got the Optrikans, and we've got the Bedrosi, and the Bedrosi live on this continent, the Optrikans live on the other continent, and they have fundamental differences of opinion on their origins. The Optrikans believe they were brought here by an alien. The Bedrosians believe that the alien is their god. <laughs> yep. And when he says Nefertum, Teal's like, oh, yeah, that's a gold. <laughs> Yeah, like he's like, like, what? Oh, yeah, se- son of Seti, blah, 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 represented by the blue Something. lotus bottom. Yeah, represented by the he blue was lotus associated to Ross somehow. I don't remember how. Okay, I have two things here, thanks to you bringing yeah. this up. Okay, so I, the first thing is from this scene, but it leads into my second thing. First thing, I have no problem with them having documents of a historical nature and so on that represent the picture that Daniel's talking about, the blue lotus blossom image um that is nefertum's thing uh-huh that being said unless this happens to be a lucky planet i can also see by the way this guy because he's represented by blue lotus bottoms being somebody who like i just learned about this by the way there is a group in history called the acclimatize acclimatizers society they were uh-huh. a bunch of idiots who thought that the world was better when you integrated everything together so they're oh, the yeah, reason why that. we have so many invasive species all over the world Yep. Yeah, bunch of fucking idiots. Anyway, I could see this guy being kind of like that, where he's like, you know what? I need to be represented accurately here, so I'm going to bring a shit ton of blue lotus blossoms and I guess terraform this planet in some way so that they can 
grow here. <laughs> because mm-hmm. as somebody from the state of Washington, I can tell you that blue lotus blossoms do not grow everywhere. <laughs> I haven't ever seen one grow in here. And I've never seen a lotus blossom, period, outside of a picture. Um, anyway, the point I'm getting at here is either A, this guy did that, or B, there are no blossoms to be found anywhere outside of pictures. In which case, I just find it funny when this stuff happens. <laughs> because it's like, what's a blue lotus blossom? Well, it's this thing I've seen in a picture. Okay. <laughs> what's a blossom? Like, why do you have the same words? And that leads me into my second thing here, which is yeah. later this chick will say, something, this is going to be, it's, it's far ahead. But she says something along the lines of, blah, 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 but they are confirmed human. And I looked up the word human and I texted you this. It wasn't used in, on in, its first written use is in like the 13th century or something. <laughs> Based on the math of when these people would have had to be deposited here, no. No, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same it's the same uh <laughs> issue with the timeline that we brought up in the the uh Catholic Yeah, exactly. Town. Yeah, how like are you that, saying that... shit that happened after you left Earth? Yeah. So, I'm not saying that language can't have also developed along the same lines. I do find it weird that they're all white and speaking English despite the fact that they seem to have an Egyptian god uh that would have implied they would have come through the Egyptian gate. And I know that we have established that they did, in fact, in fact, take their spaceships and go fly further. Yeah. Having also discovered Earth besides Ra. It's just, it makes no sense. The math is fine until you think about it at all. Anyway. Yeah, you can't. You're not, you're not allowed to think about it too long. I would love for a fan out there who, like, is just, has figured this out and is just like, no, 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 you're just dumb. And I would just love for them to email me because I'm okay with being dumb because dumb means I can be educated. <laughs> I would love to be educated on how the fuck this works out, because it never makes sense to me, timeline-wise. But yeah, it just bugged me that somehow these people managed to also develop linguistically along the exact same routes to the point where they also use the words human. So I think a lot of the, not all of, but a lot of the issues of the, of this, any of this making sense, come down to, um, and I've said this before, multiple times in our podcast. My dream version of this would be an episode where Daniel had to speak a new language yep. every planet he yep. was on. Yep. But that's not viable. I know it's not viable, but at the very least, see, here's the thing. I, I'm not, I am far from the smartest person on this planet. And yet I'm able to think real fast, hey, wait, would this person have used the word human? Because I know that's, that's fair. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to have my, my exact same level of like reading or whatever, but if I'm going to be a writer... <laughs> Yeah. I'm somebody who's explored the English language a little bit. Yeah, and I'm know? also not saying this as a full excuse, but they did not have Google when they were writing. Yeah, I know, but she definitely had access to, like, English oh, yeah, textbooks I and, like, this... etymology shit. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think, I think stuff well, like etymology is, is something that... Maybe not the I, last I one. Yeah, maybe not with etymology. Like... Maybe that one's pushing it a little bit, but still. But I think <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that, I wouldn't be shocked if the writer's room was given kind of a role of, don't worry about it. Kind of in the way that, I would have that, not like, been able to handle that. <laughs> um, kind of in the way that... I love the BBC show Merlin. You always bring this up. <laughs> One of the things I love about it is the fact that they just use modern words. Modern they vernacular just care. sprinkled in there. <laughs> You're sacking me. Pretty sure that word didn't exist. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I can always depend on you to bring that one up. Not that I'm not reliable on my own that I always bring it's a up. Example. No, it's ex- no, I just, exactly. I appreciate yeah. it. Which and and to be fair, like with Merlin, especially Merlin was made to be a kids slash family show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not gonna use like 
archaic terms that kids aren't gonna fucking understand. It's just supposed- it's not supposed to be a serious show, it's supposed to be a fun show. So they're like, we don't need to worry about the, the language fitting the time yeah. period. But yes, so that's where the I will not be the proof comes from, is because Teal'c tells him, no, no, that's a- that's an alien who stole you from Earth. And Fun fact, I'm also to one. serve him. And then, but he doesn't say, yeah, he doesn't say that yet, obviously. But Nyan's thrilled that Teal'c is basically saying almost exactly what the Optricans. He's like, oh my god, you're proof. You're an actual person who knows this. It's not theory anymore. You know this is a thing that happened. You're proof. And that's where Teal'c's like, I will not be proof. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. Which I appreciate because, like, this guy does not know that Teal'c is a Jaffa yet. Which I, and I definitely think at least, at least 50% of Teal'c saying I will not be proof is born from the fact that he's trying to keep this man from finding out that he is a Jaffa. Right. Because uh, let's guy's, just be honest, he's smart enough to know that that fate is not a good one for anybody. Yeah, because he's already seen how poorly these people reacted to finding out that to being challenged with the idea that there's other people on other planets. They're not going to like to find out that there's an alien that's come to their Man, planet. Mel, I cannot wait for us to get to Farscape. Someday! Because I cannot we'll, wait we'll for us someday. to get to season three. Two, three, three. Of Farscape. <laughs> they have a really great fucking take on the first time people are, are introduced to the concept of, of aliens, especially the concept of, like, you know, some proof that there's definitely more out there than we would have thought. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's something that would make, as we know, humans pretty fucking violent. And for once, that isn't the response. It's not a great response, but it's not a terrible response. And I loved it oh. because it kind of just resembles um, something that is more hopeful than anything, I think. Nice. We'll get there someday. So I think, like, half of it is just because Teal'c is worried about people looking a little too close and figuring out he's an alien. But I think the other half is connected to that. But it's just, like, I'm not your idol, your representation, you know? Idolatry or not, no one wants to become that thing that everybody is staring at through a microscope. That's yeah, just, exactly. that's not pleasant. Especially because he's already been threatened with that multiple times on Earth. Exactly. Hell, he almost, like, no, he was I'm almost, he was taken away once in shackles. Yep. It almost ended mm -hmm. very poorly for him. Yep. Yeah, so I think, I think him saying that was born from two, two directions that came from the same source, but veered off a little bit. Yep. But I like that line. But yeah, so then Nyan's like, well, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> and, um, Teal'c is left in the cave, and we cut to the, the team in the cages, um, and... Daniel, of course, is the one who's, like, <laughs> trying to have the main conversation. Although, uh, we do start with Jack, where um, the guy is like, uh, where are your friends? And Jack's like, I have no- Oh, shit! Oh, he's like, where are your friends? In the woods. We, you know, yes? Oh, uh, we actually- I have a note here. We didn't um, talk on one thing. I talked about it, and then we actually- yeah, I kind of talked about it, but we also kind of didn't. I mean, they've never actually talked about the source of it. Uh-huh. The Before they put their cages, they are on their knees first, and they are, the chick, the, the scientist part uh, person comes up, and she 
uh, quote unquote jabs them with some needles to uh, oh, remove yeah. some blood. The, the, yeah. And the first and third attempts were fine. It was the middle one that I remember that when I was a kid, just how bad of a job she did. And it's not her fault, it's a prop. But, you know, yeah. they're obviously like those push injector things, you know, like when you press and it, you know, goes in. Yeah. And obviously they had some like red ink on them or something to represent blood so that when it got pulled off, it looked like, hey, look, you've been stabbed. Mm-hmm. Cool. Except the thingy bumped as she took it off. Oh no. So it left it left two dots because it went smear. Vampire. <laughs> Vampire. So it, like, I think they went with it because you know if you like didn't think about it, it would it would just kind of look like as the needle was coming out, it just left behind Scrape. some blood. Yeah. yeah. You know, some blood droplets came yeah. out. Some people bleed a little more from a, an injection. That actually you know tracks. Yeah. It just sure. wasn't. It weren't for the fact that it had been as a close up, and your suspension of disbelief only goes so far. Yeah, but yeah, she does actually take blood samples from them, all three of them, to be able to run them against their Bedrosian uh, database, which leads to a great fucking line where she says, "Yeah, they don't have any um, markers or whatever, so they're definitely not from the Bedrosian database." And the guy goes, "Ah, so that proves they're Optrican." And she thankfully remains silent because I'm just sitting there shaking you my head at this fucking see idiot. Her thinking that's. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that at most, at the absolute most, all that proves is that they aren't Bedrosian. Yeah. <laughs> that proves but nothing else beyond that. But go ahead and continue along with your bias. confirmation bias. Exactly. Yeah. So it's good writing in that respect of him being exactly what you'd expect from somebody in that kind and of position. And credit to um, the female actress for this part. Uh, you can see, like, she doesn't say anything, but you could see in her face she almost says something. Yeah, she's like, she's to be like, well, not really. Because <laughs> I have this thing called scientific logic, and I'm not a fucking yeah. idiot. But she also knows that this man will fucking kill her. <laughs> right. But it's great because she tries, she does try to kind of like, doesn't this, you know, prove that there's something else going on? And he's like, that, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because that means that we fought a war. Like, he's almost there. Like, again, he's that, he's that person who's borderline intelligent because he's telling her exactly why he knows it has to be wrong. And it's because otherwise that means they've been fighting a war for nothing. Yeah. And I like how he's basically outlining for her. And that would be crazy. So what I like we're about, not going with again, that, are with we? Delivery. Um, so like I don't think the director did a great job of directing, but I think like the actors did a pretty good job. Yeah. And I think his delivery of that line, there's two directions you can go with that line. You can go the Nyan direction where it's like, oh no, what have we done? Right. Or this guy's direction, which is I refuse to believe that we fought a war for nothing. Yeah. So it does not exist. I bury my head in the sand. I stand by the statement though of like borderline intelligent because I could like I could like almost sympathize with him. You know the concept of so many people dying for nothing would be very saddening. Yeah. But he's because he's so upset about that concept, he's willing for more to continue dying yeah, exactly. rather than stopping mm-hmm. it. So right there is where, where you go you straight just back keep into digging stupid instead of trying to climb out yep. of a hole. Yep. Maybe like, if well, I dig, I I'll get to well China. Just Dig to China at this point, yeah. But yeah, so they do try and he he tries to be like, "Where's your friends in the woods?" And Jack goes, "I have no friends in the woods or otherwise." In the woods or otherwise. To which Daniel visibly has to hold back a response of, "This is true." <laughs> yeah, nobody likes him. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's true. You should see him in the mornings. And and like it just 
that feeling in Daniel's eyes just continues when um, this guy starts to like question them and Sam is trying to do her fucking job as a scientist to explain how the gate works. And she wasn't even being like super Sam about it. She was actually really trying. Yeah, and Daniel's even contributing a little bit because he's probably going, well, look, she's talking, she's bringing the concept down as much as she can, but you still sometimes need that little third way as the talky talky person he knows where he needs to dumb it down for others exactly but jack keeps inter- intercepting with magic and just like and on one hand and and you could see that like daniel especially but sam is also getting like fed up with jack but like i feel like jack could tell this man's not gonna listen to facts that's what i was raising my hand for i love i love heather ash's writing here because if you didn't know any better you'd think like she doesn't get his character at all but in fact she totally gets him here because jack is yeah, jack it's, got a read on that man yeah, immediately it's jack's completely, like this man's not gonna listen to your facts sam yeah it's completely in character for sam and daniel to try anyway they can't yeah, not absolutely no no but no. jack is this is his job. This is something. He, this is why he's part of SG One. So yeah, he he's actually intelligent, like the other two people locked up in cages. I feel like this is a metaphor for something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's just he's just being an ass the entire time because he knows it's pointless. But he also knows that they're gonna have to do what they gotta do. So he's just gonna do what he's at, what he has to do also. And by doing it, he does a great job of keeping attention on himself, which is also very Jack because he doesn't want to be discounted he for a lot of reasons. It for long though. Because True. Daniel very quickly becomes the talky person and keeps getting shocked for it. And I love, it's so Daniel that he's like, ow, I'm going to keep talking. You can't stop me from talking. <laughs> I do feel like Heather Ash wasn't paying attention to what shows were on the air around the same time, though, because it's not her fault, I guess, but Rygar, the name of that colonel dude, sounds way too close to Riker from next gen oh i didn't even think about that yeah so every time i heard riker i was like what riker although in my defense i don't pay attention to the names of the the one episode characters that much i I do enjoy giving them nicknames but i got tired of having to give them all nicknames every episode so i've tried to make more of an effort one of us has to um, hey, listen, I remembered Nyan and almost Malin. I said Marin, and you helped me figure it the rest of the way out. Uh, but yeah, so now Daniel has unfortunately become the focus of this man's, um, questioning. Daniel, you don't have a sarcophagus of... handy. This is not the time. Yeah, but I think he could kind of, he kind of, I think that, yeah, this Rygar guy's, you know, relatively intelligent, even if he is, like, buried his head in the sand that to where he he, from jack's responses he's like he's not gonna give me jack shit yeah he's not gonna give me anything yeah this kid likes to talk (laughs) this kid likes to be helpful and apparently he thinks i'm gonna be uh, receptive to it so i might as well use this yeah so daniel is now the focus unfortunately and i love that they do find the person that teal killed and daniel gets dragged out so, this says a lot about how small this unit is that's out here, because something I was going to bring up is how much it's funny to me. This is like a plot hole a bit. Nyan is able to, I guess they had like a camp set up nearby, like a work, you know, home base kind of thing, he and Malin. I when they were digging, Yeah, like, you know, like, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, base camp, that kind of thing. Base camp, yeah. It's just funny how these um, military types haven't appeared to find that or something. Or if they have found it, they then immediately walked away from it and didn't post a guard or something. Because he's able to go and get tech 
and get yeah. back completely undetected. And it takes a while to find this dead dude. So I'm like, what do you have like four guards in the entire fucking forest? Like, why don't you I mean, have more busy people here? A war. Yeah, I guess that tracks, but it's also just kind of funny to me. It's like this is supposedly a yeah. big fucking deal, and you don't you don't send for a little bit of backup. <laughs> like this is a really not coordinated movement. If you just now found this dead dude, but yeah. So they find the dead dude. They confront Daniel with it. Daniel's like, I I, I don't know. I didn't kill him. <laughs> No, Daniel's, yeah, he does a great job lying his ass off here. Yes, he does, actually. It's probably not a great indictment of his character, but whatever. But yeah, so, and we see when they drag him out to confront him about the dead body, we see that when when the the soldiers came to the camp and they saw the unearthed gate, they saw another location nearby where there had been some digging and excavating as well, and he told... You know what? That's why they couldn't find the body. The rest of them were busy digging we're busy up the digging. DHD. Okay, I find it funny that their first thought was to keep digging before they, I don't know, uh, what's, what's the word? Cordoned the off. Cordoned off the area yeah. and stuff. You guys got some yeah, interesting so priorities. so we see that they've uncovered the DHD. So now we have a DHD, we don't have to do the manual dialing, which is good because you're going to have to rush out. <laughs> And also, it's good news that the ancients built their shit sturdy, that the DHD being buried under rock, it still works just fine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking earlier, is I love how much these uh, gates can fucking take before yeah. they get wiped out. I'd buy it from the ancients. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, honest. they built, I mean, to be fair, they built shit that needed to last. Yeah. It mm -hmm. needed to be um, a, a wormhole generating device that can maintain for potentially millennia, so. So, you know, he's continuing to, like, try and question Daniel, and Daniel's doing a very good job of lying, honestly. He's like, we didn't kill him, I don't know who did kill him, I can't, I don't, we don't have anybody out there. It was just us, you captured us, we're, that's it, that's yep. just, just us, you know? And he's, he's, he's not backing down or anything. I'm sure this guy, like a lot of people, was like, oh, this is the weak point, I can question him and he'll tell me, and Daniel's not doing it. Kudos to Heather Ash for doing, for doing, for doing the right the thing, doing. which is not making Sam the weak point. I feel like yeah. a I feel like a lesser writer would have definitely gone for uh, a much more sexist and more inaccurate target because yeah. Daniel has already, as you said, proven to be the one who's eager to talk, eager to make that yeah. bridge. Sam, at the most, He's is somebody who wants visibly. to communicate fact. Also, Riker is is some sort of soldier himself. He can probably recognize that Sam and Jack are also soldiers, and Daniel is not. It's just good writing. It's just it's intelligent yeah, it to use Daniel. Mm -hmm. And I've seen uh, Robert C. Cooper also use Daniel as the perceived weak point. Yeah. So we can tell when a writer knows what they're doing. <laughs> so this is actually the point where we cut away from this man questioning Daniel to the person who actually killed that man in the woods, Teal'c, who has his hands stuck in his pouch. Because uh, we find out, because Nyan walks in on this, <laughs> so much for trying to hide your pouch from... <laughs> So this is completely me. This is on me. But I have the mind sometimes of like an 11 year old boy because my first thought there is, God, can, can you imagine wrong. how much Jaffa have to go through like weird puberty where the, their parents walk into the room and they yank their hand out of their symbiote pouch? <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. I am. Okay. So Naya walks in on Teal shoving his hand into the center of his chest. He's like, "What the fuck?" Well, belly. Yeah. Um. And the the information about Teal being a Jaffa comes out, and he's like, "Well, you know, I I I got." He's like, "Well, okay, whatever. Um, I I got stuff to heal you with." And Teal's like, "No, I can heal on my own." And he's like, 
you don't seem to be healing very well on your own. And he's like, yeah, well, the thing that heals me was also injured. So it's got to heal itself first. And I basically is like, listen, if you need to be able to rescue your team, I think you need to just accept some healing from me for now, buddy. <laughs> I like how stubborn Teal'c is being, which is like, I get it. Because like, he's blind. He can't defend himself very well. This boy did not give them all the information and because of that his team is captured i get where he's being defensive but i like that nyan like doesn't back down and he's just like listen i can get your eyesight back in working order like you need this <laughs> i can get you to where your symbiote can fix you up later the rest of the way but we need to give you a jump start for now because the makeup actually did a pretty good job of making him look like sick yeah. Also, I gotta say, kudos to the uh, writing here. They did as good of a job as, as anyone's ever really tried to do up till now, which is, he says, yeah, this is designed to um, fix, you know, eyesight, although it was meant for humans, but we're gonna give it a shot anyway. I don't know what it does for aliens. Like, this is oh, the yeah, first acknowledgement like that we've that. really gotten. Like, <laughs> up till now, nice. it's been people, like, every now and then it's been somebody using something alien on a human, and I'm always like, and how the fuck does that work? <laughs> it's just, like, why well, would it? Well, on the alien, it would have been made to be used on humans to begin with. This is more of a comparison to, like, Star Trek, but it's the concept that this show is still guilty of in principle, which is, they'll say shit in Star Trek, like, yeah, he got sick with the Andorian flu, and I'm like, and he lived? Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. he isn't Andorian. That sounds pretty horrific. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, people, the, like, smallpox blankets were a thing because humans couldn't survive the shit from other humans. <laughs> so the concept of alien shit not wreaking havoc on the human system is appallingly dumb, in my opinion. The only thing you can assume, assume with that example is that, like, the exposure has been there long enough. Right, they have antibodies or some shit like that of their own now. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of the same problem I have, which is every time alien tech that isn't specifically designed for human tech, no, no, human bodies, don't get me wrong, I, I do know that they actually try to acknowledge that as best they can in the show. There are other times, though, they're guilty of the spirit of it. And here, at least, they tried to say something about it. They were like, yeah, it was meant for humans and you're not, so hopefully it works. It's like, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's the throwaway line that I'm always begging for. Yeah, and also another thing that I liked... Um, um, was that he does the treatment and it's like it didn't yeah, work I, yeah <laughs> Tilk is me the first treatment <laughs> oh my god i am so Tilk. i'm that person that somebody says this is gonna work and i like like one time somebody said this tea will help your headache i took one sip and i went it didn't work and they gave me the look <laughs> of just long suffering death and they were just like can you fucking please and i was like hi but yeah, I also like the fact that it wasn't just an instant fix thing. He's like, no, it's it's gonna be multiple applications. Yeah, I just like how Teal'c and I are both seven-year-old girls. I mean, to be fair to Teal'c, he does come from a culture that had sarcophagus. Yeah, true, true. Actually, you're not wrong. He's definitely used to a much more expedited process. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of patience because he's never had to learn it. Yeah. So we go, oh, and this is the, at the, the, the end of this scene is the part that you brought up, like, 40 minutes ago. Yeah, it's gonna be fun where, <laughs> where he has the whole speech about, I'm a scientist, I like learning I'm wrong. Yeah, I fucking love that sentence, because it's fucking accurate. 
To an inquisitive mind, great... doesn't fucking matter what the information is. It was a great fucking sentence. Yeah, I it's beautiful. It. Ugh, that's all I needed. Because like it's so heavy now, it keeps falling off my lap as I'm knitting. I, that sentence was enough for me to go. Heather Ash has an understanding. Yes. Of the motivation of scientists. God, I need her to have been more of a core writer. Just uh. I know. But like the fact that she has she d- displayed an understanding of the mindset of scientists does not shock me considering her intro episode was learning curve. Yeah. I think she might have like a background in that kind of stuff, which I think might explain away the stuff that she fucks up, like the uh, linguistic issue. It's like, it's obviously That's not she's, her focus. Exactly, exactly. She's like, bitch, I got the three requisite classes for it. What do you want from me? And I'm like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, I wouldn't Fair. be shocked I'll at all because back. all of her writing has centered in like a certain direction of science. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if she has like an actual focus in that. I, I just read some of my notes here. Literally one after the other. Jesus fucking Christ, Christopher Judge is a fantastic actor. And then immediately after that, ha, Teal getting taken down by bats. Yes, he leaves again to get more stuff, and then he looks like kind of like sulking in a corner, and then a whole bunch of bats fly he's, in his face. He's like, he's like, tries, to, he tries to go after. He's like, no, Nyan, and then immediately gets taken down by fucking bats. And it's like, yeah, I know he's blind, and yeah, I love the metaphor of the blind creatures taking down yes. the blinded man. Ha ha ha, director. Ha, uh, not the same fucking thing, but cute and um, whatever. But it did make me laugh. My notes just make me laugh too now because it's like he's amazing. Ha, <laughs> gets taken down by bats yeah i'm a sympathetic asshole that That was funny (laughs) and it also honestly the way they had those bats those space bats flying at him was so 90s though it made me think of jumanji it's like oh my god this is such a 90s portrayal of the way bats fly at people it's like they don't do that unless they get caught in you my dude but okay (laughs) right yeah bats are actually pretty smart about how they fly it's only when you freak them out they go ah scream yeah, or if they accidentally get caught in your yeah. hair or your clothes. Yeah, because they're panicking because they want to get the fuck yeah. away from you. They don't want to be on you any more than you want them on you. Bats are fucking awesome, and I will not stand for anybody disparaging them. I love bats. But it's kind of like when a bee got caught in my hair and stung the back of my head. Yeah, yeah, that poor bee was, yeah, I say poor bee because he was just as scared as you were and he died for it. <laughs> yeah. But trying to dig out its stinger from yeah. ow, in ow. my hair? <laughs> that was fun. Alright, so yeah, so Tilt gets KO'd by bats. Um, we cut back to the camp with um, Rygar and the, the gang, and he has decided that he is done asking quote-unquote nicely, and he's going to threaten the rest of the team um, to get Daniel to talk. Which, if you're going to get Daniel to talk anyway, that is the way to do it. Although, fucking credit to Daniel. He still doesn't back down in this scene. No. I was like... No, he's epic. Ama- you could see he has that come he's, far. Like, really freaking out. Because, of course, the one weapon this man grabs off of the table is the Zat. Yep. The gun that if he shoots someone twice with it, they're fucking dead. Yep. But yeah, so he... But before he actively starts... Like, he's just, like, making it obvious that he's going to start threatening him. And he grabs the Zat, and I do like Jack being like, again, Jack, because Jack could tell that this man is paying attention to Daniel at this point, and he doesn't want that. Nope. So he once again tries to get the guy's attention. Like, look at me. I'm in charge. You, you pay attention to me, look sir. At, look at me. I am the captain now. Yes. And he says, you know that common peace stuff? Bite me. Bite me. <laughs> God, I'm fucking Jack. No. <laughs> I mean, I would like to, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially God, uh, Silver Fox era Jack. Which is coming. It's fucking coming. We're so close. Is it now? <laughs> yeah. Where he just stops trying to dye his hair and just lets it go natural. Dude, I can't wait for that and for, um, I call it Sam's Ice Pixie Hair. It's when it's longer than its normal pixie cut and it's kind of spiky. Oh, yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. I don't know why I call that one her Ice Pixie Haircut and not the one she has, um, in the last seasons of Supernatural, where she goes, like, ice blonde, and including, like, her eyebrows, and it looks fucking mm-hmm. great. But no, I call it Ice Pixie, because, I, I don't know, she reminds me of, like, a fairy from a cave. Daniel has three of my favorite hair hair looks. He's got season one, floppy puppy boy. <laughs> He's got ascended, soft sweater, soft feathered hair. And then he's got... His hair um, went feathery because his stress melted away as his contract was renegotiated. Yes. And then he's got... Uh, Cameron is now on the team. I have... Um, I've a, run out of fucks. I've run out of fucks to give and I have a beard now. Yeah. <laughs> God, he, all go, he goes looks full on muscle, he goes unshaven, and then his hair gets, like, razor shaved at the sides sometimes. Not like not like a buzz cut. I don't know why I'm going that dramatic with my description, but yeah. Like an undercut, almost? Yeah. He just gets a little quite. more, he just goes a little more refined on the edges, and I'm like, hmm, yeah. And then, if I remember correctly, his sideburns are still pretty dramatic around that time. But it looked better still. Yeah, well, that's because they were Probably shorter. because he had the beard to offset Yeah, it. and they were shorter, too. They weren't quite mutton yeah. choppy like they were getting. Hmm. But yeah, so yeah, so Jack tries to get this guy's attention. This guy is not falling for it. And he continues to, like, question Daniel. Daniel is not backing down. We don't have any friends out there. We're just us. We're not telling you any lies. Everything we've told you is the truth. We come from another planet, blah, 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 blah. Like, he's not backing down. He's not changing any... He's lying about Teal'c, obviously, but he's telling the truth about the gate and everything. And he shoots Sam once, and then Jack once, and... Of course, Sam gets shot and, like, slumps forward so she doesn't fall into the, the cage. Jack falls back, so he's unconscious and also getting shocked by the cage. And you can see it's really bothering Daniel, especially because this man is about to shoot a second time. And, like, Daniel still isn't saying, okay, yeah, there's another one of us out in the woods. But he does, like, I can't tell you anything else. He is going to die, you know? Like, yeah. he's, like... And thankfully, it's been long enough without communication that Hammond is dialing through now. Yeah. Like, hey. Convenient hey. timing to the rescue. Yeah. So the gate starts to dial. And my note is, shame the event horizon didn't take everyone out. That would have been great. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been hilarious? Oh, problem solved. Oh, no, not right? really. Like, I mean, until Nyan figures it out and comes in to let everyone out, everyone's just kind of like, now what? Is they stuck in their cages? I mean, they'd eventually come for the rescue. And yeah. And like, oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It'd be really or funny like, if they're just kind of stuck there hoping that SGC thinks to come Hammond through. Then could have just sent people through. Yeah, I guess that's all our problem, damn it. It was a funny joke. It would have been it. fun. It would have been fun. We're like, yay, they're dead. Fuck. Now what? <laughs> it's like the end of uh, Finding Nemo when the credits have run and all the fish have rolled themselves through the traffic into the ocean, but they're still in their plastic oh, bags. Yeah, and they're all like, they're still in the bag. <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they all died gruesome deaths. Aww. We didn't see it, so it didn't happen. <laughs> That's the law of, of kids' animated shows. If we don't see it, it didn't fucking happen. That doesn't count, because every single character death is off screen. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't happen. Oh my god. So, yes. Uh, Hammond has dialed through. <laughs> my next note is, send the marines in Hammond. Just send them in! <laughs> 
But um, while, so they're doing that whole thing where they like radio through the gate because they're using, you know, one, the, the female soldier gets the, one of their walkie talkies because Hammond is trying to talk to SG-1 through it. And she brings it to Rygar, and so Rygar is talking with Hammond through it. And he's, again, doing the whole thing about, you know, you are uh, optican, opticians, I don't remember. Optrican. Optrican. Optricans. I like opticians. You guys are all eye doctors. <laughs> yeah. And, and Hammond's like, what? No. So, like, they're having the whole conversation over the, the, the communicators. And meanwhile, like, kind of slightly subterfuge, Hammond's like, Turn on the map, see what you can find, see if you can find the team. And so, thankfully, the map is in the same tent that SG-1 is in. And the map starts to turn on and, like, the camera starts to move. And Daniel sees it and immediately starts, like, waving at the camera to try and get it. <laughs> and I love, I think this is a great bit of humor. This whole scene is so funny, honestly. And it's meant to be funny. I, it's, this is actually really well, probably one of the best framed things that this director does. Because you see him, like, trying to gesture to the the mouth to get a focus on all of them. And then you cut outside to where Rygar is having the conversation with Hammond. And you see the outside of the tent that's bulging because the mouth, the back of the mouth is running into it as it's trying to readjust. And you see the female scientist notice it. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Considering how it's pretty subtle, and I, I really just don't think this director was that subtle. I'm, I'm 100% certain that was, written, was written, written out in the, the script. script. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good, though. I loved it. And so she obviously goes to check on it. And, like, as they walk in, Daniel goes, (laughs) does the very violent cutting motion over his neck to, like, tell the mouth to turn off. (laughs) But he's so obvious, like, that they can absolutely see him doing this. That's a great bit of humor in an episode about how Republicans don't want to hear about your facts. But yeah, so that was a great scene. And, but it does unfortunately end with uh, Rygar basically telling Hammond, if you try and come through, which unfortunately there's a very obvious warning of anyone trying to come through the gate, Rygar would know about it, I will kill your people. So Hammond unfortunately cannot send the Marines in to kill everyone here. Uh, Not quite yet anyway. He has to think about how to solve this issue. (laughs) Thankfully, we still got Tilk. And Nyan. And they're going to be the rescue team here. So Rygar tells Hammond that and then uh, kills the feet on the mouth. So we cut back to the cave. Nyan does another treatment for Teal'c's eyesight. And it's good enough that it's still blurry. But, like, he can see what he's doing. He does still, at one point, as they're leaving the cave, almost walk into a wall. Which was great. (laughs) You see him walk and stop. And look at the wall for a minute, and then swivel and walk out of the cave. So, so basically, he NPCs it. Yes, <laughs> it was good. It was great. There's some. I kudos to Heather Ash. For, this is not a concept that you would expect there to be a lot of humor in this episode. There are some strong humorous moments in this episode, regardless. Yeah, like maybe that one was a directing thing. Maybe it's something to compliment this Chris Mullen guy, McMullen guy for, but... Or it's just a Christopher Judge thing. Yeah. So, Teal'c and Nine are going to save the team. And Nine's like, okay, well, there's the field, the quarantine field around them that we can't get through. The only thing they can get through is a shuttle. It's like, well, then we'll get a shuttle. (laughs) 
And we cut to um, a shuttle who is starting to approach, and we we do know why the shuttle's approaching. It's because Rygar ordered a shuttle to come to pick up SG-1 to take him back to the city. So we know why that shuttle's coming. And this is actually another thing where I was like, I was like, oh no, Teal'c, your aim is off still because your vision's not back. No, he wasn't trying to shoot the shuttle down. He shoots next to it. So they're like, oh no, we're being attacked. We must come down and face them. Instead of finding where they are from the sky and, and killing them with superior manpower. But they land and Teal'c and Nyan manage to take out this the, the people in charge of this shuttle. Teal'c gave Nyan his zat gun. And he's like, do you know how to use this? And Nyan's like, I'll figure it out. Because <laughs> this is this is action bot Nyan. Nyan is ready to fight now. <laughs> I'm mad about this, but I'm also not mad about this. Because usually, the scientists are just kind of fucking useless. Which is a trope. But it's a little bit more believable than when this guy suddenly goes, as you said, action Nyan. Where it's like, alright, unless this is like, okay, let's say that the civilian population of Bedrosia goes through something like similar to, let's say, Israel. Where everybody has a compulsory two years in the military after high school. I wouldn't be shocked considering yeah, the Yeah, if you said that, cool. In that case, it's great writing because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It wasn't stated as a concept, so while no, I'm wasn't. happy that they defied the trope of the scientists being useless, something they've done with Daniel, for example, like he had to get mm-hmm. there with his <laughs> with his ability to not be just that guy and always being saved. we've seen him saved. handle guns sometimes and it's been hilarious. Like the time he was handed yeah. a gun and he looked at it like he was handed a dead fish. Yeah, like they were wearing, it looked kind of similar to um, uniform actually to what the uh, guards were wearing. Maybe this is because everybody tends to wear utilitarian sort of clothes because yeah, they maybe. all have, or maybe all scientists are like, you know, let's say they're, they're version of a DOD. Let's say all scientists Scientists are like DOD funded because it's a military government. You know, it could be a lot of things, and it's not hard yeah. to think about any of them. Um, I just would have liked to have that stated to explain why Action Nyan exists, because Action Nyan does kind of defy a trope that will then later become much more of a thing as a common SG thing, like SGA, for example, and SGU both have scientists who defy a lot of the expectations <laughs> of what a nerd does. So, I will also I guess say, I'm not like, really mad, but I'm also are mad. actually pretty easy to <laughs> yeah, use. Yeah, true, so. true. But, like, let's let's be honest here. Like, if you and I got into this kind of situation and somebody handed us a fucking alien weapon and said, all right, we gotta go, you know, take down your people who are not, by the way, firing to stun. <laughs> I'd be pretty fucking scared. And I have no idea how com- um, combat effective I would be. So it's just interesting that Action Nyan happened. I'm giving kudos to, to Action Nyan, but I am questioning the existence of, of, yeah. of Action Nyan. Maybe the the faintest nod at some sort of drafting or training would have helped, but but yeah. So Action Nyan and Teal take over the shuttle. They they do, I actually have to give them credit for this plan. So they drive the shuttle over, but then they crash land it inside the field, and then Nyan runs out. Like oh no, they they got attacked. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Which is like that's that's a great way to like. I like how he is very much like Daniel, actually, because he's really great at lying, too. Yeah! Which is why what happens to him at the end works really well. It's a shame. I'm pretty sure we never fucking see him again. No, we never do. It's actually something they acknowledge in the notes. Despite being made into a research assistant, he's just gone after this. The Stargate slash sci-fi tendency. I would have minded to see him every now and then. I just love the the really annoying tendency of of sci-fi shows. Like, Heroes was exceptionally guilty of this. Hey, here's a character introduced in a significant way in the storyline and given a job that totally means they should be seen again on screen. Bye!
Yep. So yeah, so he he runs out to them, and they go like, oh, let's go investigate inside the shuttle. Tilk kicks their asses, and via and and while Tilk is taking care of business on that end, Nyan goes and breaks out SG one. <laughs> And then they all start, like, um, they they all provide Daniel cover fire so he can get to the DHD. And I think they actually do a pretty good job of, like, there's one or two shots that get kind of close to him. And you see him, like, actually kind of, like, duck. I think the, um, the framing, um, is pretty decent for this firefight. Where you're actually seeing some threatening for multiple people. Well, in that case, maybe Chris McMullen kind of knows what he does. Maybe he got hired for a reason. Maybe... Maybe that thing we do where we're amateurs and are and are totally critiquing the shit out of somebody who's I mean, literally it could professional. Be that he's good at action shots, but not good at the the more. Um, yeah, honestly, I just hate his character directing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think yeah. Everyone's just so oh my god about everything, and it's like, could you calm yourself, please? I think that's fair. We've seen other directors where we're like, you're good at this, but really bad at this. True. There was still a lot of cut, 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 yeah. cut, 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 everybody. <laughs> so uh, they give Daniel cover fire so he can dial through. And then, you know, they immediately say, Daniel, run out. <laughs> just go. <laughs> you don't have a gun. Just fucking run. Get through there. So he runs through and then everyone pro- provides cover fire for Sam. And then it's basically the Nyan offers to provide cover fire for SG-1 to leave, and I was like, this boy's gonna get killed. (laughs) (laughs) And then he doesn't. Which, honestly, getting killed would have made more sense for the story if you have no intention of bringing him back. Right. But what happens instead is they bring Nyan through with them. They all manage to escape. I love how much the show yada yadas its way through people getting brought back from alternate planets and then just living out the rest of their natural lives fine on Earth. And I'm like, how? How, how, how? I am the how wolf. I have so many hows inside of me. I think the one time they actually talk about it is, um, is is his name Marty? Wormhole Extreme Creator. I think it is Marty, yeah. He's like the one who comes back, you know? But yeah, so they all get through. They all get home safe. And like we said, Daniel offers Nyan the position of research assistant, and we will never see this boy again. <sighs> I like how there is no way in fucking hell. This is an ending that is just honestly on par with my distaste for her, uh, her ending of um, Learning Curve, because this just is too happy for what this is. Yeah. Because there's no way in fucking hell, based on shit we've seen in the past, that this guy wasn't whisked away into a black site somewhere and interrogated painfully for the rest of his short life. Because he came from a technologically superior culture, which means he has knowledge potentially in their eyes of shit that they really want to see. And the they just lost a ton of tech. Here's the thing. If we're right about the tech that we saw being, like, gifts from the gold, it might be strictly military tech that he has no maybe. exposure and, to. But maybe these people, like I said, maybe they have a connection with the DoD and stuff. Maybe this is like a compulsory thing where everyone's learned how to use it. And they've clearly repurposed it and used it on their own for long enough that they have a, a general mastery of it. And their ships were clearly of their own design, not Goa'uld design. So it wasn't like they just picked up their stuff and started using it. They actually, you know, seemed to have like reverse engineered yeah. it a little bit and made other shit with it. So I would totally see it being possible this guy has enough information to be not just a research assistant. You know they're and try to pump the shit out of him and you know it wouldn't be pleasant because it never is at the u.s military i mean 
<laughs> Maybe that's why we don't see it. Maybe that is. Oh my god, I just explained the whole thing. Never mind, I don't have an issue with this ending anymore. <laughs> it was Daniel offering him that position. Daniel doesn't know. Man, it's funny though. The guy like Nyan, with a name like Nyan, you'd think Daniel wouldn't have been the most naive in that group. Maybe Nyan still is the most naive of the group because he believes Daniel. He believes He it, thinks yeah. he's going to a bright, rosy future. He doesn't know that tomorrow when he wakes up, he won't be in Kansas anymore. Gonna see Mayborn's horrid face. My last note is um, I, a shame. I think we never see him again. Him and Daniel could be sideburn buddies. So let's go through. Uh, that is the end of the, of the episode. Let's go through our our normal stuff. Jack came pretty close, but nobody died. <laughs> True. He almost tried to shock himself through unconsciousness to death. Well, he almost got shot a second time by a zat. True. As well. Plus, he was like, that was the thing, is he was also left when he was unconscious. He was still resting against the side yeah. of that thing, so he was being continuously zapped, and so Daniel's like, turn that the fuck off! Which they did, at least. Yep. Probably because the guy was not stupid enough to like, waste a resource. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I'd buy that. So, no one died. Tilk definitely also made a go for it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he looked real sick at one point. So, are you a Jack or are you a Daniel this um, episode? Um, I think I'd have to be more Jack because there's no way in hell I would have would have bought that this general was at all looking for real answers. It's pretty apparent that guys, or I wouldn't have believed his questions came from a good space. Let's say, let's say that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with Jack for the same exact reason. It, I gotta read on this man immediately. I'm like, he's not gonna be reasoned with. He doesn't care about facts. Yeah, and I can't be Teal'c because of the uh, inner seven-year-old. <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, unfortunately, we don't have a, are you Teal'c, Jack, or Daniel? It's, are you Jack, or are you Daniel? Spiritually, I do so still feel like Teal'c for that, because that was so fucking me. Absolutely. So, Joaquin Phoenix. Thumbs up. It's got its issues, uh, but none yeah. of them are nearly bad enough to drag it down. It's not even close to med territory for me. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm in a very good mood today, but shit, I almost try to ruin my knitting. Um, but yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I nearly try to ruin my knitting all the time. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I I love. I'm on record. I love Heather Ash's episodes. Every episode she's done has not been afraid to confront something a little uncomfortable, <laughs> and I appreciate that. It's the same reason that I I can't say enough good things about like the Tales games. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that like they're the classic bottled JRPG. You know, you know what JRPGs are like. Yeah, yeah, I played Chrono Trigger. They never stray away from serious topics. Yeah, every I played single, Chrono Trigger. But like every single, I I have Chrono Trigger to play. I think, but I haven't played it yet. But like every single one of the Tales games I've played so far has had a conversation between the main characters at some point about the seriousness of taking uh, human life. You should play Chrono Trigger. I think it's on my list. You should play Chrono Trigger. But I appreciate it. I appreciate the, you know, I, I appreciate when you don't just look at the surface, you actually dig a little deeper into the uncomfortable conversations. But yeah, I, I love Heather Ash's writing. Like I, I said it after her first episode, I'm like, I think I have a new favorite author. If I had that after a single episode, she hasn't disappointed yet. I think the weakest points of this episode were the directing. 100%. And, uh, and obviously, you know, the, re the, the wrap-ups are always a weak point in Stargate, so. Fun fact, though. Fun little silly fact. 
one of the guards um, in this, I actually know which one they're talking about because, not just because there's actually a link that allows me to see the picture of him, but I remember thinking about him because his jaw was so square. But one of the guys uh, who gets shot during the firefight, the guard is literally his name in the episode, is played by a guy yeah. named Finn Michael, and he's the uh, stand-in for Michael Shanks usually. Nice. Yeah. So it's a fun little fact, and it's like, oh, yeah, I can see why. <laughs> He has a dramatic that jawline that, even though it's different entirely from the shape of Michael Shanks, I can totally see it from um, being... If you shoot it from a certain Exactly, angle. from a certain angle, and if you're not paying attention, and it's just like a glancing shot, you would totally buy it. I believe it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that is it for this week, finally. <laughs> it took two different recordings, but we got there. On that note, next week, we'll be reviewing Season 3, Episode 20... Maternal Instinct, and the synopsis is Braytac arrives at Stargate Command with a wild story about interplanetary warfare with Apophis. Daniel deduces that the battle is over Apophis's child, Harsesis, and races to save the child before Apophis can find him first. I have opinions. The listeners can't see your face. <laughs> I have opinions about this episode, and they are not pleasant. It's mostly just, God, this episode's just so fucking hasty. It's just, I mean, if, if you can personify, not personify, yeah, if you, could, if you could bring to life the concept of yeeting, it would be this episode. Here's the thing. I will part the curtains a little bit here for next week. This episode was written by Robert C. Cooper, who is someone we usually depend on. So what probably happened is, considering this is the second to second to last episode, yeah, they probably kind of sprung this on him and were like, "Hey, we need this episode to do this before the season ends." No, so I don't blame him whatsoever. This is clearly them going, "Okay, it's been three seasons. This storyline needs to end now because his wife is out of the picture, and this is gonna it, we this was maybe a mistake to make it such a long thing because there's actually no real payout, <laughs> nothing yeah, exactly. that can really work." To our advantage, if we want to let this storyline start I mean, to end, and we need it to we for really some trace reason. it all the way, the payout is ascension. Yeah, I get. Okay, I should. Okay, let me take this back. Fuck. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. It, it, there is a payout. What I mean by I guess I guess what I meant but by don't, pay, I don't. I guess think it wasn't they the payout by now. Yeah, I don't think they knew about. Yeah, that. that, right that I guess the payout I'd always had in mind whenever I thought of it as a kid was just different or something because yeah, the ancients being introduced in this way was not what I would have had in mind. So I guess I just have ill feelings about it because this is not how I would have done it. This feels like a really weird way of passing the baton. And it just doesn't feel right. I don't like it. It's it's not their um, fault. And Robert C. Cooper, I'm sure, will do a great job because, honestly, I I don't like... I have complicated feelings about Oma DeSala, too, because it's like, if you can bring Deus Ex Machina to life, it's fucking Oma. So yeah, I'm just like, I'm so tired of this as a concept. We're like, it's cool. We'll just pretend we're Vonnegut and put ourselves in the story. It's fine. And I'm like, guys, you're not Vonnegut and this story doesn't work. But okay. I like her um, when she's a waitress. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just because I'm so t- used to it. Years later, it doesn't feel like anything anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe that's just what it is. I don't know. I just, I hated Oma. It was... Okay, actually, you know what? Nope, I, I have I have figured it out. It just instantly came to me just now. It's because uh-huh. she gets used as a way to get rid of Daniel so they can go do his contract negotiations off screen. That's fair. It's That's because fair. she gets used as that, and so it becomes like super stupid deus ex machina because then it becomes like this thing that always happens, and it's like, this is the introduction of it, season four. And yeah. in the introduction to that, he's here at the end of season three. 
And they don't know that yet. They didn't. So they're not to blame for any of that. So I'm going to have yeah, to no, reevaluate no. this episode next week. Hey, I, re- I reevaluated this hey, episode. you reevaluated this one. Yeah, yeah exactly. So fuck it. I'm capable of it. Look at me go. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, at, at the very least, Robert C. Cooper is a smart writer. I love him. He is my darling. He might be forced to do something hasty for the overarching plot of Stargate, but he'll do better than other writers would. So yeah. I guess we'll just see. We'll see what he does. So that is it. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not List or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time. 